Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. As you know, life is full of challenges. Some of these problems we can solve and some we just need to live with and move on with our lives. If you're suffering from some challenge in life, this series will help you get unstuck and be able to move on with your vital, precious life. My name is Joanne Dahl. I'm a professor of psychology at the University of Uppsala in Sweden. You can learn more about me from my website, www.joannedahl.com, and that is J-O-A-N-N-E-D-A-H-L.com. My guest today is the prominent Dr. Stephen Hayes. Steve is a Nevada Foundation professor at the Department of Psychology at the University of Nevada. Steve has authored 34 books and over 500 scientific articles. And Steve is responsible for developing acceptance and commitment therapy, which is shortened as ACT, said as one word, ACT is seen as being a powerful therapy method useful in a variety of areas. Steve has a popular book out called Getting Out of Your Mind and Into Your Life, which was featured in Time magazine and has been a number one bestseller among self-help books in the United States. So you can read more about Steve on his website, uh, stephenchayes.com that's spelled S-T-E-V-E N-C-H-A-Y-E-S dot com So welcome Steve Glad to be here with you Joanne Now Steve uh, for someone who's listening who's suffering right now for whatever reason, how would you approach that from an ACT point of view to help this person go from hurt to hope? Well, when we're hurting, almost everything in us tells us that something has to be done to change that. And the most profound change that we can make is to question that initial impulse, usually when people have been hurting for a long time, they've been struggling and running and avoiding and trying to get away, and somehow or another it gets bigger and more entangled, 
they get deeper in. And so I think the uh, transition from hurt to hope, the, the place that has to start is to start here, where you are, and to sort of slow down and open up to come into where you are. As you do that, I think consciousness returns in a different way. Things begin to open up, possibilities open up. And uh, you can focus not just on the hurt you're feeling, but also on the life that you want to live, on the what matters to you, what you most deeply care about. And in that, hope is found. And in that, life uh, opens up. So uh, it's a in a way, a counterintuitive thing, because the natural, normal, reasonable, sensible things that we do with hurts, when we're dealing with hurts that have to do with our history, our past, uh, things that uh, we have learned, things that are automatically triggered, or sometimes when we're dealing with physical pain, disabilities, things that are, are limited with uh, losses that have come and that will never come back as they once were, or with just facing the finite nature of life itself, we need to learn to do something different with those kinds of hurts. And that's part of what ACT is about. Mm. Steve, I remember you saying um, one time that uh, uh, in, in, every, in the moment of excruciating pain, there is vital life. Do you remember saying that? There's as much life in a moment of pain as there is in a moment of pleasure. And in fact, if we didn't, uh, uh, have pain, uh, we'd have a relatively empty life. If I can give an example, all of us have been betrayed in relationships. All of us have uh, been uh, uh, yearned for intimacy and connection and loyalty and yet been rejected or in some ways found wanting. And if you think of those early ones when you were fully open and how painful that was, uh, it's the natural thing to say, I don't want that. And yet that hurt tells you something about what you most deeply care about. And without that guide, uh, I'm not sure that we really would uh, dig into what's more deep and meaningful about life. I think there's a tendency to sort of... Uh, enter into the matrix to drink sugar water from morning till, till night. Mm. Some of the things we struggle with, like addiction and so forth, is really that exact pathway. And it's not the, 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 the real kind of rich life that people are yearning for, even when it does soothe for a time. And so uh, finding the vitality and the learning and the wisdom that's there even in these areas where we hurt, uh, is part of what um, life is asking of us. And if we're able to do that, we can have a richer and more meaningful and more flexible life. Okay. So, Steve, would you would you make a differentiate between, um, you know, what actually hurts and and the suffering that that uh, comes afterwards? I think there's a big difference. Um, Pain is not optional. It's part of life. Uh, we know that we're going to die. We, we're going to go through betrayals. We're going to see loss in our, in our life. Uh, suffering is something else. Suffering uh, includes this element of, I can't have that, or that's too much, or 
that there's something somehow invalid about that or uh, I don't want that. And although it's the natural thing to do, it actually entangles us with pain. If I can uh, give you an example from my uh, own life, I've developed a tinnitus over the years, one to many Who concerts. <laughs> a large proportion of people my age have constant ringing in their ears. For, for me, it's quite loud, and it's 24-7. When it crept up on me uh, and got louder and louder and louder and louder, uh, even though I've done this work for decades, uh, I found myself actually eventually having suicidal thoughts. I was going to solve this problem of ringing in my ears by just blowing my head off. Well, it finally occurred to me I should apply my life's work to this. <laughs> I can be about things. And within a week, it had been solved. It wasn't solved because the noise went away. It's because I just stopped caring about it. And I focused on what was of importance. And when I do that, I can go for many days in a row and not notice that it's ringing. I don't think I've noticed for oh, at least a week. And now here talking to you just in the last few moments, it's ringing very, very loudly, which, of course, it does 24-7. But, you know, people literally do shoot themselves. They kill themselves because of ringing in their ears. If you actually look, and it's just an example of all these kind of hurts that come along with life itself, these aches and pains emotionally, uh, in our relationships, physically, and finding a way to sort of carry them in a lighter way that's not such a heavy burden is uh, part of our life task for all of us. And I think we've, um, in a way, got almost dumber about it in our society over the last few generations, we've been trying to sell this feel-good message, this treacle from morning till night message, and it's harming us, it's harming our children. Yeah. Well, tell me a little more about that feel-good. What's what's wrong with feeling good? Well, what's wrong with feeling good when you feel good, but the bigger issue is can you feel good? I mean, right in the feel-good is this idea that you're going to fix and hold in place good without uh, sadness without loss, without difficulty, without pain. And that itself will create a tremendous amount of pain. When it arrives, it becomes unacceptable. When the ringing is there, it's unacceptable. When uh, chronic pain comes up, uh, it's something you absolutely can't have. Uh, so things that used to be part of the, the, the ebb and flow of life now are considered intolerable when they're present. And we will do anything that we can, whether it's medications or numbing ourselves out through addiction or uh, irresponsible kinds of actions of all kinds uh, or avoidance and numbing out. We, we will do that. Uh, so uh, our job is to learn how to do a good job of feeling and then a good job of getting with what we deeply care about and moving our life forward. And that's feeling good. It's not feel good. And sometimes it feels good and sometimes it doesn't feel good. Uh, can I tell you a little story? Sure. It's a story. That my my wife um, uh, had her first child. It's my fourth. Uh, quite young. Uh, 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 my, my little guy is uh, six years old. I'm 64. 
but uh, uh, Jackie was uh, just in her 40s when she had little Stevie. And I said, here's one warning. If you decide to have a child, you'll never feel so vulnerable in your life and it'll never go away. And every parent listening to me knows that. There's this bittersweet quality when you see those sweet faces and you know that they're going to be rejected by peers in school. They're going to be at the, the last one picked and the, when they line up in the sporting game. They're, they're going to, to struggle and they're going to suffer and they're going to, that innocence will fall away. Well, but it's part of love itself to take the bitter with the sweet. And that's the kind of thing that I think in the wider part of our culture. It's in our spiritual and religious traditions. Somehow or another in the modern feel good, go, go, achieve, achieve, busy, hyper materialistic culture, we've lost that wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. Yeah. Steve, we've have talked about uh acceptance and commitment therapy some now, but I wonder if you could uh describe uh in a simple way uh, what are the core principles in ACT? You can get them down to three words that have different aspects, but it's learning to be more open, more aware, and more actively engaged. The kind of openness that we're talking about is having the room to watch your thoughts, to notice your bodily sensations, to feel your emotions without heedless defense, to learn from them if there's wisdom there, if there's things we need to learn, At least they tell us sometimes this is a part of your past that's relevant to to right here, right now, as things echo forward and you feel anxious for no reason. Well, it turns out there is a reason. There's something about this situation that reminds you of, of past times when bad things have happened. So learning to be more open, learning to be more aware of coming into the present moment, which is where we live, we live nowhere else, and being able to attend to what's important here in a flexible way. And and to do it from this place that's more spiritual, really, of, of seeing that there's a part of us that is bigger than all of this content, that we're more like the bowl that holds the things that are put inside it than just what is put inside. A lot of things are put in us just by our culture and experiences and watching the TV and so forth, are very unattractive things. We have prejudiced thoughts we're going to carry. We have past pains that we're going to carry. But learning to see ourselves as the consciousness that carries it and not just the content that's carried, that's what I mean by awareness in the present moment. And then more actively engaged. If you ask people you know, who are really struggling with pain, Do you have a sense that you're waiting for your life to start? Most people will say yes. And and I'll say, which is the bigger pain? The pain that you've been struggling with or the pain of a life not being lived? And for most people, the latter pain is even bigger. And so the openness and awareness is not an end in itself. It's so that we have the flexibility to now direct our attention towards what are the qualities of the things we do in our relationships, in our work, in in play with our family? What are the qualities that we want to manifest and be in those moments? And then orienting our actual behavior, our moments on the planet, what we do with our feet and our hands towards those qualities. And uh, that leads to kind of active engagement 
bringing along all that history, all those past hurts, all those scary thoughts, all those that mental chatter that says you can't, you're you're not worthy, there's something wrong with you, you're not smart enough, you're not intelligent, you're 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 ugly, you're not wanted, you're not lovable. All of those things, inviting them along for the ride and keeping your eyes on the road, keeping your eyes towards what it is that you most deeply care about. So open, aware, and actively engaged. That combination turns out to just be powerfully useful everywhere we look. Okay. And and what kind of um, uh, applications uh, have been done around the world with ACT? Well, it's an incredible list. It's almost one of those unbelievable lists, you know, like chicken soup. It's good for everything. (laughs) Everywhere that human minds go, we know how to get in trouble by being narrow and rigid and impulsive and waiting. Uh, And this opening and being more flexible and present in the moment consciously and then focusing towards what you care about is helpful in mental health, of course. Uh, You know, ACT is on the list of evidence-based therapies for anxiety and depression and OCD and things of that kind, uh, and substance abuse, uh, a number of applications of that kind, but then also physical health of just dealing with the challenges of uh, uh, growing old or diabetes or heart disease or of uh, chronic pain or things of that kind. And then being able to engage in healthier behaviors in, in a social way, in relationships, and physically, making sure that uh, if uh, there's exercise to be done, that that exercise is done. If you're carrying too much weight, to find a way to let go of that, uh, the eating patterns and exercise patterns that created that weight. Uh, if you, uh, uh, you know, care about building more pro-social or more values-based organizations or work sites, having the ability to do that. So, in all of those areas. Scientists call them randomized controlled trials. That's where you randomly assign people to one condition and others to another condition. There's over 60 randomized controlled trials, and they cover all those areas of mental health, substance abuse, physical disease, uh, dealing with chronic disease, and healthy establishing healthy behaviors. Uh, so we, we know that uh, being open and aware and active, learning how to do that, uh, which the culture is doing a very poor job of training nowadays, can empower people to live more effective lives. Mm-hmm. That's that sounds fantastic, Steve. Uh, I was I saw that you had written um, the human mind is arrogant beyond belief. I wonder if you could comment on that. This is the thing. I mean. What distinguishes human beings from the uh, the other primates is this symbolic ability we have. We have pretty good evidence that it's about 100, 150,000 years old, uh, and it really is different than the communication systems that existed before we invented it. It's a very useful tool, but we're just babies in handling it. I mean, written language, my goodness, it's only several thousand years old. If you had a good memory, you could remember... Your ancestors, of course, you wouldn't know that list, but if you did have the list, you could remember your ancestors back to before the time that there was written language. Think about that. And and now in the form of the Internet and our movies and our tape recorders, we have so many channels. I've done some research on this, and we're about 20 times more 
words in our head by the time we get to the age 18. I don't mean vocabulary. I mean the amount of exposure to symbols and images and so forth with this constant flow from our communications media. But the problem is, although that's very helpful in solving problems, reasoning, thinking, and so forth, this part of us, which is only part of us, there's an intuitive part, there's an emotional part, there's other parts of us that are much older in evolutionary time, claims everything because we can talk about anything. So your mind will tell you how to love. It'll tell you how to have peace of mind. I guarantee you, if you follow, follow your mind's dictates about how to love and how peace have peace of mind, good luck, because you're not going to get there. <laughs> to do. It evolved to solve problems. It didn't evolve to be here as a whole human being. And so we have to bring greater wisdom. The spiritual and religious traditions have been saying that for a long time. And, uh, you know, we're not going to necessarily find it in that form we have to find it inside our secular societies or in other ways that fit our busy world uh, so that everybody can find a peace of mind with purpose and peace of mind and purpose are more than mental chatter but the the mind doesn't know that it's going to tell you even that it is you it'll tell you who you are and claim to be you it'll create story can I give an example? Sure, uh, sure. Well, all of us have the experience of talking to siblings if we have that or to others who are there when we were young. And we tell stories about things that happened. And they say, no, that you, you, you remember that wrong. That You're mixing two things. That vacation was a year earlier. And do you know those kinds of moments? Mm-hmm. Your mind is actively recreating and stringing together these little beads of memory into an integrated story. And we live inside that story. We live inside it so much we actually think that it is us and that it is true. And there's elements, of course, that actually happened. But uh, we're going to have to rely on deeper parts of us to come into the present in a a more flexible and whole way. Because the mind is uh, only one part of us and it uh, it's constantly reformulating and claiming in yet another story that it knows everything about everything. <laughs> mm, that's in, that's fascinating, Steve. Uh, so, Steve, if if you and I were sitting here with with a person who is is suffering from some kind of life challenge, uh, it could be divorce or uh, loss of a job or loss of a function or chronic illness, what advice would you give them from an ACT perspective? Well, one of the things that is I almost cringe from in those kinds of moments is people often are being so harsh with themselves, so unkind to themselves. If you, just a simple image that may help someone who's listening to this show. If you take a child who is experiencing, maybe not that exact, because a child's not going to be getting divorced, but maybe the emotions and thoughts that come with that. If you had a child in front of you who is experiencing that, what would your posture be towards that person? What would you want to say to them? What would you want to do? And now allow yourself to be treated in that same way. I mean, we will do things to ourselves that we would never think of doing to a young person. 
we will criticize ourselves, we'll browbeat ourselves, we'll try to drive ourselves almost into exhaustion as if we can earn our way to having a right to be on this planet, to even be valid, to be whole, to be a human being. So the thing I would look at first is to slow down and take the time to be kind to yourself and to begin to open up and listen with a, a more careful ear as to what's going on. Some of the things that are painful inside these things are old. They go way back. They literally go back to when we were children. And if we kind of listen to it, not to make it go away, but just to get with it, then we can come into this moment and begin to, when we get here more fully, to focus upon what we most deeply care about. And that is, once again, revisiting that process of being more open, more aware, more actively engaged. So I'd, I would suggest the person start with kindness. Mm-hmm. That sounds good, Steve. It's been fascinating talking with you today, and and I really do hope you'll be back on this program again and uh, farther down the line. So uh, we've run out of time now, so thank you for being with us today. Uh my guest today has been Dr. Stephen Hayes and his best-selling book, Get Out of Your Mind and Into Your Life, is available at uh, Amazon.com. You can read more about acceptance and commitment therapy at the website acbs.org, which is Association for Contextual Behavior Science. It, or remember that you can reach me at my website, uh, joandahl.com. And next week we'll be talking to Dr. Jen Gregg, a woman who has done some courageous work in helping people with diabetes. So remember, no matter what your challenge is, you can create a life that you love. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website button in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. You may also see her books, The Art of Science of Valuing in Psychotherapy, Living Beyond Pain, Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy to Ease Chronic Pain, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy for Chronic Pain, Values in Action, and Epilepsy, a Behavior Medicine Approach to Assessment and Treatment in Children. All of these are found easily by clicking the cover or going to Amazon.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. 